1: Welcome to Raptors Over Everything, a podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, Wim Lou. Joining me to break down what was the best press conference of all time by Messiah Jerry is Vivek. How you doing? I'm good,
2: man. Messiah the GOAT. Messiah over everything.
1: You got us fired up, man. That was
2: inspirational. It's it's hard not to listen to a Messiah press conference and not have any goosebumps, mm-hmm. not want to be a better person after. Yep. not want to do more for the community yep. for your country wh- yep. whatever it may your be after the continent man. the world. Um so yeah, just so much to talk about. And yeah, I think you want to start with,
1: you know, his future here. I mean, yeah, let's let's start with the future here because that was Okay, first off, Masai won for an hour. Yeah, And I'm going to try to work with our video team to actually just post the entire hour of audio on this podcast because I really do believe that – I mean, forget even this podcast. Just go listen to that interview. Seriously, as a Raptors fan, you owe it to yourself to listen to what Masai was saying. But um, So he went on for an hour. First question was about he stay and mm-hmm. not not in the sense of Kawhi because right? we'll get to Kawhi in a second. But his first thing was he was asked outright, um, do you see yourself having a long-term future here with the Raptors? And he outright just said yes. It's always been about Toronto. In my mind, I am here. My family is happy in Toronto. My wife is happy in Toronto, which is very important. And my kids are Canadians. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that, like he, he you know, he talked about. Yes, I do feel interest from other teams. He called it a blessing, yeah. and it is. It is tr- truly a blessing, especially sure. if you can leverage that into more money. Which um, I hope, honestly, Masai is getting every single. He should be <laughs> getting the most salary out of anybody in the NBA, Absolutely. in terms of executives, because he is. He's amazing, and I think you know. To this larger conversation of what he said about you know, my kids are Canadian, and my and my my family's very here, very happy here in Toronto. I think he sort of repeatedly came back to this idea of Toronto being um, this Toronto being this place that just resonates with what he's trying to do as a person, for what he stands for as a person. That's something that he's very comfortable with. And um, I mean, just what were your thoughts on the fact that? I mean, it seems like Masai understands Toronto, at least the vision of Toronto, more than anybody else.
2: Yeah, I I think for me, when he talks about his comfort in Toronto, his wife loving the city, uh, his kids being Canadian, it all went back to his first press conference when he was named uh, the GM and president of the Raptors, where he said, you know, I'm home. Yep. And... You know, I think he genuinely feels that way. And the other thing I think about is, you know, when when the Washington rumors came out, mm-hmm. uh, th- there was sort of the narrative that, oh, you know, he, he that is potentially a place where he has more reach, sure. um, that he mm-hmm. he can build more contacts and that kind of thing. But I think he views Toronto, and he he mentioned this multiple times over the course of the press conference, that he views Toronto as sort of the biggest global. Uh, marketing piece in the NBA that the Raptors in some ways can be even bigger than the NBA or, or bigger than the other 29 teams because of their global reach and you know you, he talked about Pascal Siakam uh, appealing to Ke- Cameroon and Serge Ibaka appealing to the Congo and Jeremy Lin to Taiwan. And, you know, it, 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 go, it goes name after name after name. I mean, he even
1: <laughs> said Bobby Webster appealing to Hawaii. Which, <laughs> exactly. Shout out Asian-American legend Bobby uh, Webster.
2: Alex McKechnie to Scotland. So yep. um, I think that is what appeals to him in terms of his long-term outlook on, in terms of the impact that he can have on the game. Uh, in terms of helping people, in in terms of helping communities grow uh, as basketball communities. And, you know, I I think for him, again, it always stems back to belief, right? That's the number one thing he talks about. Um, And for him, I think his belief, his goals, uh, they know no bounds. And there's nothing that he sort of looks at as a ceiling, you know? He genuinely believes that the Raptors can take over the, the globe.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's amazing. And at one point, he, he I mean, he was feeling himself. They even <laughs> said, he even said, um, oh, what, Manchester United and Liverpool, they call themselves the Reds, we're the new Reds. Yeah, And I'm just, I'll, you know, <laughs> as a Liverpool I, fan, I, as a United I, fan I, I right now. I know here, that
2: hit you uh, deep, deep.
1: I was going to say, it doesn't, doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect <laughs> me. I'm, I'm happy to share. I'm happy to share. We don't have to yeah. change allegiances or anything. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that, that's honestly the way he's thinking about it. And I think this is something I remember back in 2017 when there were those rumors that, messiah might leave for new york and it's always the same thing it's like oh he's going to a bigger city with bigger connections to hit this and this and this and he can expand his outreach and they give him some more money it's like first off mlsc one of the richest conglomerates in the world yeah um especially in the nba world so i think they can handle messiah's uh compensation just yeah. fine um you know i think the fact that the, the, in terms of a global outreach i mean you know, that talk about Washington, like, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, where he's going to be closer to the White House, and that's going to have bigger impacts for him and Giants of Africa. And we know that's ultimately what's most important to him. It really is the foundation more than anything else. Um, but then you see him bring, you know, Barack Obama, or as he calls him, 44. Just, yeah. <laughs> just casually dropping it. Yeah, yeah, me and 44 were sitting in the stands during the NBA finals, and, um, you know, they were just admiring, uh, you know, uh, you know, Obama turns to Messiah, and he's like, yo, Look at this! Look at this crowd! Look at the diversity! Like, you know what I mean? Like, Masai has everything he wants here, and I think, um, and you know, going back to 2017, I, I just remember stressing that time because like it was like Kyle Lowry might leave and Masai might leave, just like now Masai might leave and you know, Kawhi yep. might leave, and I'm thinking like, if Kyle Lowry left in 2017, that would have sucked. Mm-hmm. If Kawhi Leonard leaves in a couple uh, days here, that would really suck. What would suck more than anything else? In terms of the Raptors organization in Toronto, in terms of just as a city and also as a sports town, is losing Masai Jerry. He is, he is the franchise. He is the franchise, and like I would never, ever, ever want to see him go under any circumstances. He is an amazing human being.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I think I conducted a little bit of an office poll after the first or second round, and I asked them, "Would you, would you rather take the guarantee of five more years of Kawhi or another twenty-five years of Masai?" and yo give me a <laughs> massage you, you know what i mean and that's the type of impact that he can have
1: mm-hmm. um on a I mean, franchise on it, it takes vision that's yeah the thing. exactly very few people in this exactly. world have vision and when you have a leader that has vision i mean he said from day one we're gonna win in toronto he said last summer we're gonna win in toronto yep. he was sweating today he yep. was sweating he said we have won in toronto and we're gonna win more in toronto everything that man said came true because he has a vision
2: and think about the narrative that he shifted right uh, what he talked about this in the press conference when he came. It was about it's too cold, people don't want to come here, taxes, this and that, and he he says now the narrative is truly that Toronto is a global brand yep. that people know that. By winning the championship, you know that you can win here. You don't have to be with an American team in a big market to do big things. You yeah. can do it right here in Toronto. You look at what Kawhi is doing with New Balance, the marketing. He's, he's got command of the U.S. market and the Canadian market. Yep. Yeah. And you know, if if you are looking at your global appeal, yeah. When you are looking at you know an Instagram following, whatever it may be, yeah. When you've got uh, someone at the top of the organization saying, we aim to be a global brand. Mm-hmm. That's when, you know, now you're saying, hey, we can be like the Lakers, the Celtics, whatever it may be, right? Those top-tier organizations that people recognize all across the world.
1: Yeah, and that would, that would be phenomenal. I think he understands that it's not just um, – you can't just say that. You also need to sort of back it up by getting players from all over the world, and I think that's always been an advantage that the Raptors have had. Even going back to, like, Brian Colangelo, like – Okay, like it was pretty funny when he kept signing like just random dudes. Yeah. And it was like um, some of them worked out, like Anthony Parker. He's American, but you know he played overseas, um, and you know he's sort of regarded as sort of an overseas player. Um, but shouts you know, to Maccabi, shouts to Maccabi. There's the, a the true MVP of, of Maccabi, man. But <laughs> um, I think he was like he was called like you know the Michael Jordan of I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> Bargnani, though, like Jose Calderon, like Carlos Garbosa, Linus Gloria Claza. You know what I mean? Like, he had this – I mean, the Raptors have known for a long time that this is sort of the idea. And I don't think they executed well. And I think Masai has come with not just, like, we're going to get players from overseas because they're overseas and they might like Toronto more than Americans might like Toronto. Masai actually understands, like, I'm going to build a great team and I'm going to do it with these right pieces. Yeah. You know, we're we're not talking about Andre Barney. We're talking about Marcus. All
2: Right. So. Do Do you remember when Brian Colangelo thought Juan Dixon was Spanish?
1: Did he actually? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, this is the first time I hearing it. Oh my god. Yeah, this story, the
2: story came out that what? Colangelo like saw him at the airport and he was like, "Oh, I, I only like read your numbers. I thought you were Spanish." And well, turns out that wasn't the case. Um He was terrible. But Juan know, Dixon was bad I think, as a Raptor. I, th- I think the difference between that transitioning from those guys that came in before Versus the team you see now is that Masai has predicated winning above all else. Yes. Right? Yes. And so, while as before it was maybe a bit of a marketing gimmick and looking to generate appeal for the team, um, Masai has put himself in a position where winning is what comes first. Yeah. And then where you're from will come second. But to have guys like Pascal Siakam influence the team the way he has, uh, to have Marcus Sall, to have. Uh, Serge Ibaka, Jeremy Lin, all of these guys, you know, mm-hmm. again, you know, it's not like Jeremy Lin's out there getting minutes just because, you know, yeah. he, he, where he's from, he, he he wasn't able to get into the playoff rotation. Again, it's all about winning with yeah, this team sure. first sure. and foremost. And I think that's what it comes down to uh, in terms of the Raptors transitioning to uh,
1: a truly prestigious organization. Uh, moving on to He Day 2. Yep. That was He Stay 1 was about Masai. Masai's uh, confirmed confirming his staying. Number two, obviously Kawhi Leonard. Um, Masai said, you know, repeatedly, we're confident. That we're going to respect his decision. We have a very good relationship. They've had meetings in the last couple of days with Masai and Kawhi. Um, Masai has revealed that he texted Kawhi just yesterday, mm-hmm. and he got a call from Uncle Dennis this morning. Um, it seems like there's a trust there. And, you know, I, I think, again, if you go back to – this is a piece that I wrote for Yahoo Sports Canada, a cheap plug. But, like, you just have to kind of look at what Kawhi himself has said. Kawhi very much is a person who will be transparent with you. Obviously, not, he's not going to say, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to resign here or I'm going to go here or Whatever." Like, Obviously, you're not going to do that. But he's pretty transparent about what his goals are for his career and what he wants to do. And generally speaking, he will go out and go and actually execute those things. And he said at the start of the season, I remember you and I were sitting – In that press conference when Kawhi Leonard, you know, got asked by Doug Smith, you know, sort of, you know, how would you describe yourself? And he said, I'm a fun guy. You know, I can't just give you a whole spiel. I don't even know what are sitting at. (laughs) You know, like, he said um, that his goals were to become healthy again, which is big. You know, it's not even just, like, the physical aspect of going from playing nine games to playing 60 games plus, like, 20-something games in the playoffs, it's sort of the the mental aspect, too, of being confident in his body, and the Raptors got him to that point where he's able to perform at his best, and even arguably better than he ever did before with the injury, and to win. And, you know, he's also mentioned that he needs to build trust within the organization because that's what ultimately led to the follow-up between them and the Spurs. So, yes, we know he wants to go to California, but at least from, from the way I'm looking at it, the Raptors hit all the things on his checklist. They literally won a championship. I'm pretty confident. I mean, you can watch Kawhi. Watch another cheap plug, but I'm feeling good based on this press conference. How does that change your confidence in terms of Kawhi coming back or Kawhi leaving? I
2: mean, based on Kawhi watch, I would say I'm right with you guys in terms of the 90. percent
1: uh, I said 85. I mean, but Alex you, said but 95. You, but,
2: but you met him at the 90 at the end.
1: I I said that was Alex <laughs> that averaging it out, bringing the average all up. All right, all right, all right. But either way,
2: you know, 85 is still pretty high. Um, I'm a, I'm very confident that he's going to resign at this point because the biggest thing I look at objectively in terms of Kawhi's decision-making, the three things he's made clearest uh, in terms of what his priorities are when it comes to choosing a team are his family, yep. his health, yep. and winning. yep. And the Raptors proved that they can win a championship. Mm-hmm. They proved that they can cater to his health with the load management. And Alex McKechnie, I think why has a ton of respect for him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even outside of just the treatment, they've had some truly, like, jovial moments. Uh, yeah. Before and after games, just enjoying each other's company. Yeah. And then when I look at family, when you look at Uncle Dennis being the first one to applaud Masai at the at the parade, when you look at... Him giving a
1: hug after the, the shot.
2: Exactly. Amazing. And you know and you know the, even his family his sister his mom being there in the big moments and enjoying them truly truly looking like they enjoy oh, yeah. being here oh look listen you know? they
1: were all at oracle yeah all the families of the raptors were at oracle Yeah, um, Kyle's there or sorry, Kyle's wife was there i think a couple of the players you know moms were there i think Kawhi's well, mom, was norm kawhi mom was there well norm and kawhi
2: took pictures with b- both their moms yeah. right and they shout out san diego in, exactly so sd I, I genuinely think he enjoys it here, and everything that he's looking for is available here. Mm-hmm. And then the other big thing uh, that we go back to is, you know, Masai saying that his priority is to bring everyone back and yes. go for a title again. Yeah, and and this it, was
1: in response to specifically being asked about Mark. And Danny, in addition to all the other major pieces,
2: exactly right, and so to me that that shows and shows me another reason why the Raptors have become a top class organization there's not even a hint of, oh, you know we might need to see what ownership is okay with, we yeah, might yeah. not be able to bring no it's we're going to bring our number one priority is to bring everyone back, yeah we don 't care about the luxury tax, we will eat that we've seen how the fan base will respond. Yeah. We've seen the merchandise sales go through the roof. All of that stuff uh, impacts these type of decisions. Yeah. And so they're going to do everything they can uh, to bring back this roster for next year. And that's a roster that Kawhi knows that he can compete with and mm-hmm. win a title with.
1: Yeah, for sure. And again, if you're going to compare yourself to United and Liverpool, then you got to do things like paying 75 mil for Van Dyke or 90 mil for Pogba. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I understand it's a different system. Obviously, you know, soccer, there's different rules in terms of finances, stuff like that. You can right. have more resources, but you can't charge fans like $25,000 and stuff to, to attend playoff games <laughs> and then not actually turn that into a luxury tax payment. So, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm pretty confident on that front. Um, next item, free Maasai. Mm-hmm. So Maasai was asked directly about um, the ongoing investigation, which – that. For me, obviously, I don't have all the details. I was in Oracle, but I was in the opposite side of the arena, so I couldn't actually see what was going on. Based on a couple of the um, eyewitness accounts that have sort of floated around on Twitter, it seemed like, um, unsurprisingly, there was an excessive use of force here by officials. And the fact that they're pursuing Masai is... Um I mean, it's just frankly ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. He, quote-unquote, showed his credentials in an aggressive way, and this is after they said he never showed his credentials, and also pushed the guy in the face, and now he has a concussion and a broken jaw or whatever. Relax. We're not talking about Vegeta over here, okay? We're talking about Masai a But Masai (laughs) responded to it. He said his lawyers are dealing with it, and he's Mm going to respect authorities. I don't think there's too much else to add to this, because I think Masai um, is handling this whole situation, but... I think we'll know more once this whole situation is resolved. As as of right now, I don't really expect Masai to say too much about it.
2: I don't don't think uh, the police authorities realized uh, how much they were trying to bite off and it's a lot more than they can chew. Listen. Um, yeah. I really don't think they knew who Masai was and now they've gotten themselves into this and now they're trying to Slowly, sort of weasel their way around, and you know, first there was a body cam. Now there's no body cam. Now it's, you know, so only showing select images, like
1: th- exactly right. This so is You, you can, you can make
2: Im- images look a certain way and whatnot. Yeah. Um. But I'm sure once the evidence comes out, uh, truth will prevail, and I'm, I'm sure that Masai will come out of this
1: pretty much unscathed. Yeah. Uh. One thing Masai said is, I'm confident in the quality of person that I am and what I stand for, yeah. and I have no doubt. I have no doubt um, in what Masai did. I thought also one of the themes throughout the one-hour press conference was, again, go listen to that press conference. Go watch that press conference. I mean, the Larry O'Brien trophy gets brought in in the last five minutes. It's great. He makes jokes. It's amazing. Um, one of the themes I thought Masai did uh, in terms of um, throughout the press conference was that he showed a lot of class, Yeah. and he showed a lot of um, – uh, he was very humble throughout the whole process. You know, Masai is someone who definitely speaks very confidently. I don't think he's a man that lacks confidence, but he also does it while being extremely humble in the sense that he understands that his own success is not just on him. He has a team, he has an organization, and he has people that have been with the organization that he showed support to. Um, specifically, he talked about um, how he could, you know, conversed with Dwayne Casey, he conversed with DeMarta Rosen. Um, And even, you know, other people like he showed support for Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant in terms of their injuries and he wished them well. And even when asked about executive of the year, which I mean, Masai finished fourth and we could talk about that a little bit later. But he even said, like, I believe that John Horst was executive of the year this year and Tim Connolly was a close second. And um, he didn't say anything about Lawrence Frank, uh, (laughs) who came third, which is amazing to me how he came third. But I just thought Masai handled himself really well, and, and you know he made sure to acknowledge that this is the entire process, not just about him. And I think that's very important as a leader. You need to be able to give credit to other people, and you need to not just take it all for yourself.
2: Yeah, I mean, there might be deals that Masai needs to make with the uh, uh, <laughs> with the Bucks and the uh, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> and the Nuggets. You mm-hmm. know, so got to keep those
1: keep those uh, good
2: vibes with those guys, mm-hmm. and who knows. Giannis 2021?
1: No. <laughs> well, funny you mention that. Because uh, <laughs> apropos of nothing, Masai was talking about how great it was that, you know, four of the major award winners, I think... Um, that was a really great point. MVP was um, is Was, was Giannis. Was Giannis. Rookie of the
2: year was Luka Doncic. Yep. Most uh, improved, Pascal. Defensive player of the year, Rudy, Rudy Gobert. Gobert.
1: So. The Gobert one, I'm a little iffy on. I mean, I guess there wasn't a great candidate to pick from, but Gobert wearing a back to back years is a little w- weird to me. <laughs> Regardless, though, uh, he was talking about the fact that, look, it's great that, you know, it's a reflection of the fact that the NBA has sort of moved towards a global game, that yep. so many of these major awards are going to players who were born outside the United States. Mm-hmm. And during that speech, he was like, oh, by the way, in terms of Giannis, excuse me, but Giannis is not Greek, Giannis is Nigerian. And this is a bigger conversation that. Um, we can have um, maybe not on today's show, um, but you know, in, in terms of just ethnicity versus nationality, and sort of how you can pick and choose, and how you can navigate that, and how other people navigate people of privilege end up deciding what that is for you, and when it's convenient to take you under the banner, and when it's not convenient to when when it's not convenient to just discard you. And I think you know we're neither Greek nor Nigerian, but I think as uh, as uh, immigrants to this country, like it's it's pretty clear in terms of sort of what that dynamic is and sort of the hypocrisy that goes with it. But, I mean, uh, him just bringing up Giannis always reminds me of the fact that uh, 2021, it's uh, not too far away. No, it's not. And, you
2: know, you, lo- you look at the Raptors planning for this free agency mm-hmm. and what they could do with Kawhi, what they could do with Marcus Saul, Danny Green. You know, obviously Kawhi is going to have to decide between that five years, one ninety million, or whether he wants to just commit to sh- something short term. Yeah. Um, and then evaluate his options from there. But either way, I think Masai in an ideal world mm. wants to keep that cap space ready uh, for 2021. Right. And, oh, it'll be ready. Yeah, exactly. I guarantee but, you, it will be ready. So again, I think when you, when you talk about Masai handling the, the press conference professionally and, you know, being emotional at the right moments, mm-hmm. um, being professional and respectful at the right moments and you know i, I don't uh, he it shows uh, some growth on his part right that we've gone yes. from f brooklyn and you know we don't give a yeah it about it <laughs> um to where to where he is now as well right so i think you know he uh, he's he, i think he can see the big picture now oh, definitely. Uh, a lot more clearly In terms of where the Raptors can get to, it's sort of that realization of that vision that he's always had, and now he can really taste it with the Raptors having won a championship. It's sort of validated all the sacrifice that he's made, all the all the time that he's put in, Um, and not just with the Raptors, with Giants of Africa Basketball Without Borders, Mm -hmm. everything uh, that he's done. You know, now he can. It's almost like that vision that he had. That reality is starting to align, and he can taste it.
1: Yeah, and I'm very happy that it's happening here in Toronto because I don't think there's a better place for it. And I think Masai knows that. Um, one other theme that was mentioned, I think one thing that's great about winning a championship. I mean, there's a lot of great things about winning a championship, by the way. Like just some, like we were driving on the highway back from Ovo to uh, to Yahoo office, yeah. And we passed by like Lakeshore when you like exit the Gardener and yeah, the, the Lakeshore, yeah, yeah, the little Spinetta exit, and I'm just like. Honestly, this is a very decrepit part of the city. The Gardener is one of the ugliest, you know, like, you know, streets I've ever seen. But it just evokes happy memories because I just remember the last time I was there, there were fans, like, piling up and, and just, I mean, the parade is just so great. So there's a lot of great things about winning a yeah. championship is what I'm saying. Now, one of the other great things about winning a championship is that you can be completely truthful and honest mm-hmm. and you can start to forgive because this is the ultimate goal. Everyone works towards it and everyone understands and respects that, especially in sports. Yep. Um, two things. So one – Masai talked about how, yes, he had to have difficult conversations with Kyle Lowry around the time of the trade-down. It's already previously reported. I think it came out in the Sixers series. um, Shams had to sit down with Kyle. I remember this was after practice, I think, game three when Pascal had the questionable cap thing. Right. Um, But so it was revealed back then that they had this conversation, and I think Masai went into more details about how the fact that, yes, there were frostiness. Uh, I think he said that it showed on the part of Kyle Lowry that he took it more of Kyle Lowry's sense of loyalty rather than um, sort of his sort of priorities being uh, out of line. But, um, you know, this two-hour conversation they had with Kyle Lowry, I think it really did change a lot for the team in the sense that it just put everyone on this right path, everyone's on the right mentality, everyone's working towards the same goal, there were no more conflicts left on the team, and they could just focus on winning the title. And I think, you know, I mean, you're the one who asked Masai about in the first place, so you can tell, him, you can tell everybody what, what Masai thinks about Kyle Lowry and his uh, stature within the franchise. Greatest raptor of all time. That's what he said. That's a quote. That is
2: straight from Masai. And when you look at the difference, uh, that sort of the turn that the team took uh, after that conversation, you know, when they won eight out of nine games right after that. Yep. And you know, the, we we always sort of have that cliche that the point guard is the head of the snake. And especially here in Toronto, especially here in the, in Toronto. And when you look at Kyle Lowry, you know, even today in the Sports Illustrated article by Chris Mannix talking about how he was just behaving sort of indifferently towards the team. It's like, I'm going to show up, I'm going to do my job
1: and mm-hmm. that's it. And, and that's a weird thing, by the way. Yeah, for, for sure. Kyle Lowry to operate because Kyle Lowry, as we know, gives more Fs than anybody else. On the court. And so for him to do that, it's very out of character.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it sort of reminded me of LeBron's first season in Miami, where, you know, LeBron is someone that typically just likes to have fun, play basketball, have a good time. And when everyone sort of pitted him as the villain, as the enemy, he almost tried to take on that role, yeah. but it didn't suit him. Right. He couldn't be someone he wasn't. Exactly. And I think we saw a bit of that this season with Lowry. You know, he's someone that. Teammates genuinely love everybody. Loves Kyle exactly, right? And and I think he also loves to show that appreciation for them. Yeah. So for him, almost you know whether it was out of loyalty to DeRozan, saying no, I, you all of you are my coworkers now. I yeah. just don't think that was just natural for him, right? And yeah. So after that conversation, after the, when you have that heart to heart with Masai, and again, the key is honesty, having that open communication. Yeah. To get past that and you know after that i think we we saw a different Kyle Lowry we 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 saw you know teammates sort of elevate their games as well you know you talk about siakam finding his best basketball in that feb sort of stretch oh, man. Um, you know i think that's when I, that 44 point game happened yeah and then i think there's little things like that right when say for example kyle is feeling it or Kawhi is feeling it and they're still making the extra effort to get other guys involved as teammates, that gives you confidence. Yep. And you know I think when Kyle is sort of boosting everyone up, that's when the team is at, at its best, right? Because he knows better than anyone on this team how to make everyone else better. Yep. And I think that's what
1: that conversation did for this team. Yeah, for sure. And if you look at the roster, the way it's built, because there's so many young guys and then new guys, you needed somebody who was going to step up as a leader. And I think Kawhi led in his own way. Um, And I think his leadership is definitely not to be understated. I mean, the fact that everyone was so calm throughout the playoffs speaks to leadership, right? We're talking about a team that, let's be realistic, the Raptors as a team have uh, panicked at times in the playoffs. Um, (laughs) But I think the only candidate who could have stepped up to be a leader in the sense of just leading the franchise, who was in the actual position, that has the history, that has the, um, you know, just the clout, the sort of, who earned the right to lead the team is Kyle Lowry. And he's always done it. This whole run has been about Kyle Lowry turning around, becoming a superstar, him and DeMar together, uh, making this run. And now eventually him and Kawhi finishing the the quest for the first title. But, um, yeah, I mean, you needed to make sure. I mean, as just a manager of your team, you need to make sure that Kyle was bought in. And I think to have that difficult heart-to-heart, Masai detailed it as it was two hours. It was a very difficult conversation. You can imagine. um, uh, Masai actually mentioned at one point that – Damar used to always say that uh, Masai and Kyle had the same sort of mentality, sort of both kind of stubborn, both kind of, like, fiery and competitive. And so you could see how two of those guys together would butt heads, especially after something like this happens. Um, But they got through it, and Masai talked about how proud everybody was in the organization, both him and everyone else down the line. The way Kyle Lowry started game six, scoring the first 11 points, dishing off the Pascal for corner threes, you know, pulling up, and the way he just led that team – You know, just everyone was very happy. And, again, you know, you can have a happy ending when the ending is happy. But, um, you know, a lot of the times you you just can't afford to be honest. And if the Raptors never won the championship, they probably wouldn't talk about this stuff. But now we got to know. And we also got to know the fact that, obviously, DeMar was very upset at the time of the trade. You know, based on the way it went down, it sort of just – I don't think he was ready for it. And I think, you know, he reacted in a way that was completely understandable. Um, But – Back in February, first game post-All-Star break, when the Raptors had the Spurs in town, um, beside detail, the story about how DeRozan came into the locker room, I'm not sure if it was before or after the game, but he came into the locker room, sought Masai out, and gave him a hug and ask him about his family. And I think that really speaks to the idea that, first off, Damar is a class individual. We've all dealt with Damar. He is amazing. I mean, we can critique his game, you know, like, you know, whatever. People get jokes off. It is what it is. But, like, Damar as a person is amazing. He's always treated people with respect. And I think in that moment it really showed humility and growth on his part. Um, but it also shows sort of just, like, the idea that the Raptors are a family and families fight. It happens. It happens in every family. But you, stay, you stick together, and I think – that was a huge moment, and I'm, I'm really happy for both um, Masai and DeMar that they got to have that moment because they should both be celebrated as franchise giants.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at DeMar DeRozan, you know, I think part of why the attachment to him in the city is so strong is so many of us have grown up with him. Yeah. Right? And you look at him coming over as a 19-year-old, and up to that moment where he was traded, you know, he was Toronto. Yeah, He
1: embraced Toronto before anyone else embraced Toronto, and that includes Kyle. Yep,
2: yep, most definitely. And, you know, I think the trade was another moment uh, for him to grow from, Mm -hmm. and obviously it took some time because there were some very raw feelings. And, you know, I think for a guy like DeMar, especially, you know, growing up in Compton, he's talked about how many people close to him have died um, and he's sort of grown up watching that, and so he holds those people that are close to him even closer, right? Yeah. And so
1: to suddenly be shipped out of that
2: mm-hmm. um, on a professional level, it had to hurt.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and know, the fact that it hurt meant it was a of on how much he loved the city, how much he yeah. embraced the organization, yeah. how and much he embodied it, to be yeah. honest.
2: And so I think over the course of the season, to understand, to ha- to sort of have time heal that wound and for him to get to the point where he even says in an interview publicly that he understands that he had to be the sacrificial lamb mm-hmm. um, which frankly he was and again the greatest compliment to, to, to DeMar DeRozan and all this will be the fact that he grew up from a 19 year old kid that was so raw he couldn't dribble couldn't shoot uh, to a point where he was good enough to be traded for Kawhi Leonard Yep. Um, and that, that is 100% a credit to him, his work ethic, his devotion, uh, his passion for being the guy for Toronto. Cause the one thing I will always stand by is when he was drafted, he was drafted to be a complimentary piece for, De- uh, for, uh, Chris Bosh. Yep. He was not drafted to be the guy, but once Chris Bosh left, they had to put someone at the, uh, at the front of the organization and he took it on. There's not a lot of people that would take that on, right? No. So, um, he took the good with it, he took the bad with it, mm-hmm. and you know, I think ultimately, uh, it's just great to see him on the positive side of things now, being genuinely happy for the city, the franchise. Um, and I think, you know, for as long as there seemed to be that tension between Masai and De- DeRozan, um, I think it hurt all of us a little bit, it does, just yeah. because. Because there's much. enough
1: room in our hearts to love everybody in this run.
2: Exactly, and so for now, for now to see that both of them are on the same page, that they both still care deeply about each other. I mean, that w- that was easily the most emotional part yeah. of the press conference for Masai. I mean, th- there were there were times where he was he was choked up, mm-hmm. you know, just talking about you know ha- having to walk around in that hotel in Kenya at 4 a.m. Right. Uh, for two hours mm-hmm. to muster up the courage to tell DeRozan that he got traded.
1: And we're not talking about a Bob Myers level uh, worked up. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. So nothing um, walking in, nothing walking out, but uh, it was all on the table there. Anyway, watching Andre Goodall's, uh Breakfast Club interview. Very, very <laughs> revealing. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. And I think the subtext of this is also that when you trade a guy who's a cornerstone in your franchise and a leader of the franchise, right? In the Mar, you need someone to step into that leadership vacuum, and I think Masai more than anything else has sort of continuously stepped up. Um, just he embodies the Raptors. When you think about the Raptors, you think about Masai Jerry. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's not the case for most organizations. Maybe it is for San Antonio, where it's like Pop and mm-hmm. RC Buford, um, and maybe a couple other places. But especially in Toronto, you think of Toronto, you think about Masai Jerry. Yeah, and um, you know Masai also had to step into that, but uh, it, obviously it was difficult.
2: I mean, you you also see the respect that Masai has when you know we we talk about name drops, and he casually just informs us that Pat Riley got in touch. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, to let him know that you know, it almost like you know, if if any, if anyone's talking to you about asterisks, d- don't worry about it because you will have this championship forever. Uh, it'll be a p- part of your franchise history forever. No one can ever take a ring away from you. Yeah
1: even though Mark Cuban hired a whole investigative team. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll end this co- this Maasai segment because we realize it's long, but honestly, it was, again, go back and listen to it. It's amazing, just amazing to watch him speak and sort of the vision he has and sort of that knowing that that's the person that's leading this team. A couple of uh, sound bites that came out of it, just funny things. Yeah. One, Serge Bog coming up to him in, uh, the other day and being like, hey, boss man, boss man, we can win this again. And it's just two things. Two times it's really funny to call him boss man and yeah. i feel like that's a that's that's a real cultural uh, <laughs> choice of words in there but it's actually really funny and i just think that like the mentality that the players have i like that they're already thinking about winning again i mean serge is thinking about going three-peat <laughs> that's
2: basically what Masai said yeah that's true we could win two more this guy got back to the finals for the first time in what eight years yeah and he wants to go three-peat Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, again, the, the mindset you speak of is exactly what you want to see, exactly what you want to hear. Um, I mean, you, you can even go back to that Fred quote when he was asked about Kawhi and you know, it was like, yeah, well if, if he leaves, we're going to kick his ass. Um, and so I think, yeah, the mindset, I think as a, when you get past that final hurdle, Mm -hmm. it takes your confidence, it takes your mentality to another level. That again, we talk about belief over and over again with Masai. And now, you know, that the realization that, that you know, you have a team good enough uh, that, you know, you can always talk about, yeah, yeah, we've got a team. We, we can be good enough. We can be good enough. We can be good enough. Um, but to go out and actually do it, now I think it can take this team to another level, especially when you consider the fact that they literally play 27 regular season games together. Um, yeah. And – then the playoffs, they, they sort of kept finding new ways to improve, and now they'll, they'll actually have uh, a full training camp. And Masai has spoken so many times about how he doesn't actually like the trade deadline because you know, you're know sort of putting things together on the fly. Thankfully, this team had the IQ to do it um, with so many smart guys on the roster. But now, if you bring everyone back, you have potentially – you know. Th- that chemistry that you carry over from last year. You've got a full training camp. You've got Nick Nurse actually going into a second season now um, that he will have learned from. And, yeah, again, you you bring the whole band back, they are definitely the favorites to win the 2019-20 title.
1: Definitely. Um, Masai was also asked in the middle of the press conference, about 30 minutes in, do you see the Raptors and basketball as a sport overtaking hockey and the Raptors, or sorry, and the Leafs in Toronto? And Masai was like, uh, let me reach my handkerchief. This is a loaded question. I mean, yeah, the fire emojis were just. And he was like, listen, man, Shanahan's my guy. Kyle Dubas is my guy. But, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And then he, you know, he wanted to say that he believes the Leafs will win the title eventually, and, you know, we'll see um, about that one, but. That's a pretty bold thing to say, and I like that mentality. I like that mentality. If you talk, if you look at franchises on the upswing, he also said, "Look, there's room in Toronto and room in Canada to love the Blue Jays, to, to love you know TFC, to love the Leafs, to well maybe not the rest of Canada, but at least in Toronto there's enough room to love the Leafs, and you know there's enough room to love the Raptors, and we can all just share." Yep. I mean, it is one organization after all, but um, ultimately to have that mentality and to sort of look at the landscape and say. You know, um, you know, you have the Vince Carter effect, you have the Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan effect, and then you have the Kawhi Leonard effect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit. We saw Vince Carter take this franchise on another level, and then you see three million people in the streets. Like, just to put three million people in the streets in perspective, like, that's more than, like, most, like, major political gatherings. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't mean to trivialize political gatherings. Obviously, that's way more important than winning a championship. But, like... Three million people is an insane amount of people. And, um, I mean, that's like one-tenth of the Canadian population that's just gathered in, you know, Lakeshore Boulevard on the (laughs) on-ramp to Spadina watching the parade float. So, I mean, what do you think? At least versus Raptors, eventually. Eventually? I mean, I
2: don't think this is enough. I think you've got to win even more where you get... Uh, and in t- you know the bandwagon to sort of almost commit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I do think I do think the Leafs will be number one, uh, but I don't think that's a big deal. I, I I think the Raptors can be right there with them um, in terms of the passion uh, for the sport. I think one thing that maybe sort of flies under the radar is the fact that you know there just weren't any Canadian hockey teams. Uh, that were playing while the Raptors were on this run. And I think that sort of helped magnify and uh, bring all the media attention that it brought. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it would have been interesting to see what it looked like had the Leafs gone further um, or any of the other Canadian teams uh, that made it to the postseason. But, uh, you know, I don't don't think it's a bad thing that uh, Canada's most passionate about hockey. Um, That's a sport that they've... Uh, that canada's had a history of being the best at and, yeah for sure uh proven it time and time again and so i think in terms of that growth it might be more on team canada mm-hmm. uh on the international stage elevating their game uh as opposed to the raptors obviously it'll be great if the raptors can continue their success um but you know if, if nick nurse can hey, uh, can can bring uh, a world title to team canada then then you know I, I think you really start to see something special uh happen here
1: yeah and I mean, just to use a personal example, like like my little brother is 16 years old. Um, he's in high school. Like he doesn't really. He's not. He likes sports, but like I think he likes sports a lot because like my dad likes our dad likes sports, and that uh, like I like sports, and so he wants to relate to us, right? And I think in this run more than anything else. I mean, he has just him and everybody in the school. Shout out MCI. Um, but like everybody. Just gravitated towards Raptors, even people that don't care about sports. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is the great thing about sports is that it unites people across different lines, and it just it brings people together under one banner to just celebrate something. And yeah. I think Toronto, for a very long time, has needed a moment to celebrate itself. I think I th- I've said it on this podcast before, but I'm like, you know, like Toronto is a place where people from all over the world come and choose to make this place their secondary home. Yeah. Right. We're talking about a city that I think. I think most recent demographics say, like, more than 50% of Canadians are not first generation. Right. Right. And and this is a place that people choose to come here. And so if you choose to go to a place and make that place your home, there is a certain civic pride that is associated with it. You choose it for a reason. And I think this has been a very difficult process to find a specific time to celebrate it, a specific reason to celebrate it. And I think the fact that Toronto is able to galvanize so many people, like my brother, who are just – they're not necessarily fans of the Raptors. Like, he likes the Raptors, but, you know, whatever – to, to put them all in the same bandwagon, said my brother's watching hosting wasp watch parties with like his little friends and stuff like that, and they're just getting together to watch a team. And they're he's talking to me about, you know, oh yeah, we're gonna go play basketball. And I'm like, you don't you don't even play that much basketball, but I don't I don't judge it. I'm just saying like this is just completely it's beautiful to see. I'm, I'm really happy everyone's in the bandwagon, and um, yeah, that's that's the real Kawhi effect. Anyway, we're gonna take a quick break right here. We're gonna hear from our sponsor, and we're gonna come back and talk about you know Kawhi's free agency and uh, a lot of other important things.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Welcome back to the second half of
1: Raptors of Everything. Still here with Vic. Kawhi for agency. So you wrote a great piece um, earlier this week sort of detailing, um, what, was it this week or was it last week? Uh, what we last, week? last
2: week, last week it was
1: it was before I went away for the weekend. Yeah, so last week, where'd you go for the weekend? Uh,
2: went to Howe Island, uh, for a buddy's. What is that? Where is that? It's like way west. So it, you know, we went past Ajax, Pickering. Um, it's like two hundred and eighty kilometers west of here, and so basically, okay. you we drove all the way to the edge, and you're at a ferry, and it takes you over. Um, okay, okay. to the island and yeah, we got a beautiful spot. Um and it was like eight to ten of us. Um my bu- my buddy's more of an outdoors person. It so he like that, he, yeah. he just wanted to do something chill where we had some canoes and we had, you know.
1: Whole lot of Canadian shit is what you're telling me. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah
2: man. Uh so just hung out and finally got some time to myself after this crazy postseason run. Yeah, you needed uh, it. We yeah. all needed it to We, be we all needed to recharge, right? Load so. management. Uh, shouts to Noor. He's getting married in a bit. All so right. That was a good, Shout out.
1: Congratulations. Uh, uh,
2: that was a good celebration. But, yeah, uh, the Kawhi piece, yeah, just, just looking at Kawhi's financial options mm-hmm. in terms of what he can look to do. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that sort of I drew from that as I was working uh, through it was the fact that whether it's short-term or long-term, it's the Raptors who uh, are in the
1: best position. Mm-hmm. And – you know That was backed up, by the way, by Chris Haynes of Yahoo reporting that Kawhi is seriously considering signing in Toronto. We know... Yes. Um, Yahoo Sports, Chris I Haynes. Mean, I, yeah, that's right. And we don't <laughs> know... I, I'm not going to speak for Chris in terms of his sourcing, but we do know for a fact that Uncle Dennis, who gives very few interviews on yeah. the record, gave an interview to Chris Haynes in the middle of, I think, May, mm-hmm. where he talked about sort of the relationship in Toronto and sort of, you know... You didn't obviously go out and say anything specific about signing, but I'm just saying there is a connection there, and I, I'm you know for sure. Um, it's good signs, man. Good signs. Yep. Another good sign. The Raptors. Someone just DM me, and I don't do betting on and stuff like that. But someone said the Raptors in Vegas were minus three hundred and thirty to sign Kawhi Leonard in terms of quads. I think the bet is specifically Kawhi plays his first game as a member of X team in 2019. And I think the Raptors have steadily moved. There were even odds with the Clippers. Then they moved to like minus 110, minus, you know. I think a couple of days it was minus 250, yeah. Now it's like he says it's like minus 500. And like they took the bet off the table altogether. So it does feel like either Raptors fans are going crazy and, you know, we're betting $500 to win $100, which is would be (laughs) terrible odds. Um, Or that people really, um, at least people in the betting community, know something that we don't. But Um, As you mentioned, the one plus one is an option, two plus plus one is an option, obviously the full five years is an option, or maybe four plus one. Um, Maybe quickly break down the uh, pros and cons to each of the three scenarios there.
2: So, you know, with the one plus one option, I think for him, it's maybe more about aligning himself with Kyle Lowry. Uh, you know, Obviously, Lowry is heading into the final year of his deal. Serge Ibaka is also heading into the final year of his deal. So, you know, that, that will give him the opportunity to sort of play out another year here, try yeah. to go back-to-back, back and then see where things are at next year. Um, and then, you know, see what's best from there. With the 2 plus 1, I think that is about maximizing his financial leverage his right. financial opportunity cuz then you know he, he's completed 8 seasons in the league you think about the supermax that the super supermax that he missed out that's 35% uh, by leaving, of the cap exactly
1: instead of 20 uh, 30% of the cap yeah the th- that,
2: that's what he missed out on when he got traded from San Antonio right um so by the way for him to be eligible for that is to become a 10 year veteran yep. so two more seasons is what gets him there so you're looking at you know, and, and plus it gives you that added security if you get a two plus the one player option. You know, that's in excess of $100 hundred million uh, that you'll be in line for. So, with, with a guy with, with a bit of an injury history, that I can see that being more viable than the one plus one, uh, and also putting him in position that you know pretty much his age thirty season to get that one huge contract. Um, but again, if if he's really risk averse. Um, and is looking to just commit long term then there 's the five years one ninety, which you know when you look at what other teams can offer with the four years one forty one mm-hmm. again that that 's another big distinguishing factor for him to consider
1: yeah i mean fifty million guaranteed money is fifty million I know not everyone i mean look obviously cool. Um, LeBron and KD have sort of shown in previous years that if you are of a certain stature, you can sort of roll it over yeah, and still keep your money regardless. And mm-hmm. we've, we're going to see with KD. like He just literally tore his Achilles. is a major basketball injury. Can't believe Bob Myers is on that stand doing that thing. And um, yeah, he's still going to get his money, right? Yeah, and he's I'm still going to get a max can, offer. But I think, I don't know if, well, first off, I think Kawhi in the playoffs have shown that he was that caliber. But I think KD and LeBron also showed it over multiple years that they're that caliber. So who knows? We'll see Um I think probably most likely the two plus one makes the most sense. Um, just sort of split the difference a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get flexibility and also you get, you know, most long-term earnings. But yep. I'm I'm pretty confident. Um, again, you can watch Kawhi Watch with me and Alex. We're filming a new episode on Thursday. Same location, obviously, because, you know, we don't go anywhere else other than the diner. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the first two episodes of Kawhi Watch are out. You can listen to it on this podcast feed or you can go to the Yahoo Sports Canada How's YouTube the breakfast channel. there? It was good. I tried a frittata for the first time. Okay, because um, uh, I think aside on this podcast, we were t- it was like five a.m. The Raptors won the title. For some reason, someone made a stupid pun about you know Tillman frittata, <laughs> the, the Rockets' uh, gambling <laughs> owner or whatever. And um, I was like, I don't even know what a frittata is. So I, I tried a frittata. It's like a quiche, I guess, without like the outside shell. Huh. Yeah, it's like okay. imagine like egg lasagna, which it, that doesn't sound great. I generally speaking, I don't like to eat eggs in that fashion. But the rest of their food was pretty good. Which okay. Was pretty good, and they got great orange juice and also very friendly staff. So, check out that diner. Um, okay, so we, we talked about the Kawhi thing. Yeah. Um, you know all the sightings across the city so like. Again, if you want to hear more about that stuff, you go listen to Kawhi Watch. I mean, that's legitimately why we're doing that show. Let's talk about everyone else. So Masai, as we mentioned earlier in his press conference today, um, was specifically asked about Mark and Danny, and, and you know his thing was. Our mindset is we're going to bring everyone back. And, of course, everyone says that. And whether that actually happens or not, we'll see. It would be very expensive to bring everyone back. That's sort of the issue. So Mark, first off, has a $26 million player option where the deadline to pick that up um, is the 27th. So mm-hmm. we'll see a decision there. If he opts out, he might renegotiate. Who knows? But there will be a lot of teams that will be interested in Mark Gasol. Yep. And with Danny Green, I think he also wants a long-term deal now that he's turned 32, probably the last big long-term deal of his career and again there's a lot of cap room out there on a lot of teams with a lot of you know mid-level exceptions that can offer for multiple years and pretty solid money and so it would be pretty expensive to bring both those guys back what's your prediction in terms of those two guys the fate of those two guys you know assuming that Kawhi does come back
2: i think uh, assuming Kawhi does come back well, i think we see both those guys back i think as long as that Major domino falls. I, I I do expect Masai to follow through on his plan of bringing everyone back, at, at least in terms of the core pieces. And obviously, Marcus All and Danny Green are big parts of that core. And yep. you know, one one thing I do find interesting with Marcus All is you know is whether or not he'll take some advice from his brother, who also you know it was just 2017 when he had a player option for 16 mil that he declined. Mm-hmm. um and ended up signing a more long-term deal he ended up getting a three-year deal worth 48 million i couldn't believe the Spurs first game that deal by the way so but but mad old at that point yeah no for sure but the interesting thing about that was that the final year there was only 6.7 million that was guaranteed ah, okay um okay so i do wonder if there is maybe potentially uh, a deal that masai can structure similar to that mm-hmm. that's what that, that's what eventually made it uh, feasible for the Spurs to buy him out and then go to the Bucks, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if there is something like that uh, that can be drawn up, then I think he'll look into it. Obviously, the the three year plan might cut into that twenty twenty one plan, so we have we have to right, see right. we have to see where Masai stands on that.
1: But I mean, even to that point, I think you can still move a guy if you yeah, assume that, exactly. if you assume that Marcus. Okay, first off, he's going to decline physically. Although, having seen him try to dunk a couple times throughout the playoffs, I'm I'm just saying, like, I don't think there's too much of a physical decline. I think mostly he's getting by on positioning and smarts, and he's clearly shown he's he's effective doing that. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time
2: Masai re-signed a guy and then traded him. Yo. (laughs) So. Shout out out
1: Nene. (laughs) Shout out Nene. Nene was a good player. Shout out Terrence Ross. I was like Nene. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Terrence Ross. That's right. He gave us Serge Ibaka. I was so happy at that point. Yeah, that we got yeah. about. Cause like, No, hey. I,
2: I remember you messaged me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you messaged me saying that we're going to win the championship. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I, I, meant, I meant two years later. I meant two years later. I mean, hey, it yeah. all worked out, man. It all worked it out. All worked that's out, why. That's right. why we can say it now. Yeah. It, it's all fun and games now.
1: Um, um, and it's a shame that PJ Tucker didn't take the money here and uh, decided to go to Houston, where he had a better. Chance I mean, his loss. Winning. Oh, sorry. Actually, do no, never mind. They, um, yeah. They he he wanted win. to go. He wanted to go play with Kyle Lowry. Light. He wanted to, yeah. You wanted to? uh I don't know. I feel like that's a disrespect to to Kyler at this point. Okay, yeah, yeah. maybe.
2: Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, in terms of the money, uh, you know, I think Marcus All is going to be an interesting one. I think they'll figure it out. The Messiah uh, spoke about his relationship with uh, with Mark's agent, right? Um, and that Bobby Webster's has already been in conversations, yeah. uh, with the agent. So I, th- I think that will get sorted out pretty easily. I think Marcus All is another guy that just loves being here. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah and you look at how much fun he had at that parade and you just see him rocking We the North stuff all the time. Mm. I mean, literally the day he got traded here, he posted that Instagram picture with, you know, those, those Raptors dolls and the Jersey and everything ready to go. I think he's really yeah. embraced the city. So I think, I, I think they'll, they'll work something out, whether it's just to be back for next year. Um, and he picks up that player option or whether they renegotiate a, a new deal with Danny green. Um, Again, uh, it seems like, Ownership doesn't seem to have an issue with the luxury tax, at least uh, for one more year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think they will uh, figure out a deal with Danny as well. Um, and again, another guy that loves the city, so oh, yeah, he will loves it will possibly take a little less money. Uh, it w- it, well, not necessarily less money, but I think he'll be happy to turn
1: down those overpaid deals yeah. to stay here. You know, yeah, I, I mean, it depends on who's, who's recruiting, who's not recruiting. Yeah. And I think there are some big suitors in the market right now. Um but okay, so this is the only thing. Right, okay, so the, if you if you subtract Gasol's um player option and you account for Kawhi making thirty million dollars a year next year. Yeah. And, and so this, the first year Danny, the first
2: year of Kawhi's deal would work
1: out to about thirty three mil. Okay, thirty three million, that's yep. fine. So the Raptors would be at that point already over the cap. Yep. The cap is about a hundred and eight. I think the Raptors would be about a hundred and fifteen. Yep if those guys happen depending on so basically you're just asking yourself how much luxury tax do you want to pay between Marcus Saul and Danny Green if the two of them are making a combined 30 million yeah, that's probably too much yeah. but if they're making closer to like 25 million or maybe even 22 million which again right. this is very optimistic these guys are worth more than that and I think they should chase the money if that's what they want to do with their careers and the rest of their lives yeah but if it's closer to the 20 and versus the 30 end, then yeah, I think it's more palatable. And you got to keep in mind that the repeater tax is going to come into effect here. Because mm-hmm. Raptors pay the tax this year. And so, first year you pay the tax, It's the tax is a one to one in terms of um, how much you're over the luxury tax threshold. And I think the threshold is about 120 some million, 125, let's say. And so, again, you know. It's, it's, the first year, all the money that you're over the luxury tax, it's a one to one. The second year, it becomes more punitive. So the first five million that you're over this luxury tax, it's a one to one. And then the five to ten million is about one point two five. Uh, and then it eventually it escalates, and so it could get very expensive. So again, every additional dollar is going to sort of impact the bottom line here. But yeah, look, man, if you're going to charge that much for playoff tickets, you better bring everyone back, especially if Kawhi wants to stay. So. Um, You know, that's all we'll say for that is right now. Obviously, everything is contingent on Kawhi. And, you know, Masai already talked about how Danny and Mark both understand that and they respect that. So, we'll see what happens there. Last thing I want to end the show with Mm -hmm. is uh, award season. Yes. Um, So, the NBA finally had their award show last night. Shout out, Pascal, winning most improved player. Shouts to Pascal. Did you have any doubt that he was going to win? No. Because there was a lot of D'Angelo Russell hype at the end. No. Obviously, that infamous jump segment where Richard Jefferson, who is an employee of the Nets, came out and sort of made a whole case for why D'Angelo's great and how Pascal didn't really improve. I mean, I remember. Really, no, Tracy McGrady really said, did Pascal really improve? And then Pascal went on the road in game three against Orlando. Tracy McGrady calling the game for his former Magic yep. and seeing Pascal carry the team while Kawhi was sick. But, you know, did he really improve?
2: 32 points game one of the NBA Finals. Made 11 straight shots at one point. Shot 14 for 17 mm. for the game. I
1: mean, what else do you want to say about this dude? Um, Top 30 well, player in the league. Let's, let's say a couple more things about this player, okay? All right. Um, in terms of total scoring between duos, Kawhi, Pascal this year, and mm. I think three more games in this playoff run, but tied the highest total ever made by Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen.
2: So they were they tied for second. Um, their second highest total? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, they a, finished behind uh, LeBron and Wade.
1: Okay, but in terms of the highest MJ and
2: When that's the group that you're in, it's
1: pretty good. Yeah. And also, if you remember, game six of a closeout game in the NBA Finals, Raptors call timeout. They're up one. You come out of the timeout. Uh, 38 seconds, Raptors up one. They need to score to at least sort of give themselves breathing room. And the play that dial up isn't for Kawhi. The play that dial up isn't for any of their vets. Kyle Lowry runs a pick-and-roll with Pascal Siakam, feeds Pascal on the roll. Pascal, I mean, at first off, Draymond Green just overplays the whole thing, and he yeah. sort of puts himself out of position. But Pascal skirts around Draymond, throws up a little floater. Very tough shot. In the, in, I mean, we know he has great touch and whatever, that he could hit that shot, but within the circumstances, a very tough shot. He sinks it. And really, that's what iced the game. That, that, was that the, shot right there. That was the final field goal
2: for the Raptors in – in the 2019 postseason, yeah, and, and so
1: that's the guy, that's the guy who won most improved. Siakam and, scoring on Draymond. Whew. I mean, he scored on Draymond, he scored on Giannis, he scored. He on gave everybody Embiid. buckets. Remember Jonathan Isaac? We were talking about how much Isaac sort of shut him down in regular season. I mean, shout out Pascal, much improved. Um, Very beautiful stuff. to see his family together, by the way, as well, because Pascal's talked about how because of that was amazing. That speech was incredible. Yeah, the speech is great, but like the even like just. The difficulty in us acquiring visas, and he even talked about when his father passed away in a car accident when he was, you know, abroad. You know, he couldn't sp- go to the funeral. He couldn't go to the funeral because he yeah. didn't have the visa rights. So, so, the whole family is all over the world. He's got sisters and different parts, and he got brothers. You know, some with them here, or some elsewhere. His mom's, you know, back home. Love the, the way
2: his mom was representing too.
1: Shout out, right, but it, all of them together at the same time was just—it was very beautiful to see. It's very rare yeah. when you have a family that. Um, you know especially if you're not from that place so all be mm-hmm. together in the same place so and
2: you know, i think cool what was really cool again just to touch back on the four um international guys winning mm-hmm. is you can see how much of a big deal it is to them right oh yeah uh, almost uh, almost on on some level even more than uh the american players and you know for them to take the journey that they've taken to be in a different country mm-hmm. and then to acclimatize to life in North America and right. do all that while also accustomizing themselves with playing at an NBA level. Um I mm-hmm. think that's
1: a beautiful thing and yeah, it was just really really cool. I mean, that's see. the American game. That's the American dream in the first place. Exactly. And that's that's honestly a lot of people that were that are in America that are mad about the whole thing now. Like there's a whole like I saw someone tweet all basically like, "Oh, they came for our jobs and they came for our awards" kind of thing and I'm like Yep, that was a tweet last night? Yeah. Don't worry. Let's not talk about that. Let's, however, talk about the fact that Mike Budenhoser won Coach of the Year, which I agree with entirely. I think he re- did a lot of great things yeah. to make the Bucks the best regular season team this season. Mm-hmm. And he got regular season Coach of the Year. Yep. But we know, you know, regular season Coach of the Year, there is a history of regular season coaches of the Year getting swept in the playoffs. And uh, it's just unfortunate that happened to Mike Budenhoser, um, because Nick Nurse... Uh, Nick Nurse pulled some moves. Nick nurse pulled, shout out Nick Nurse, the playoff MVP. There's the, play, the playoff uh, coach of the year. I'll say that
2: much. There's 82 game players and 16 game players. Mm. There's 82 game coaches and 16 game coaches.
1: Man, after I, and
2: Nurse and Nurse Evan, we we got both.
1: <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Nick Nurse got two bodies on him. Two Coach Lier bodies on him. No, but <laughs> seriously, though, um, obviously, I, I think Budenholzer is completely deserving of Coach Lee. And the Bucks had a great year. I mean, he's revamped their defense, sort of, you know, uh, brought clarity to the offense, you know, put a system in place where people fit into the system. And they worked. But also, they only had one option. The only, they only played one way. And if you look at Nick versus Budenholzer, Nick always consistently, based on his background, of you know play, coaching overseas you know D league you know different pieces all the time he created a team that was versatile and that was adaptable and yeah. the raptors are almost like a counter punch puncher and boxer like there's some people that will just come out firing and if they hit you with a knockout blow you're done and that's what the bucks are and the raptors were like no nah, well, we'll duck and weave and then we'll find your weak spots and we'll, we'll we'll outlast you we'll get better throughout the series which is what happened you know in every single series in the playoffs and um I wish there was someone to honor Nick Nurse, but I mean, I guess you know he's literally playing an Arkell show. So yeah, uh, I think I think I, he's doing all right. He's doing okay. Shout but, out Nick Nurse. Yeah,
2: I mean, and 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 the other thing too is like obviously full credit to everything he's done in the postseason. But when we speak to the Raptors being unflinching, not getting too high, not getting too low, it goes back to the regular season where. You know, you're dealing with load management. You're dealing with injuries to Kyle Lowry, to Fred VanVleet, to Norman Powell, to OG Ananobi, yep. to Jonas Valanciunas. And it was always, hey, next man up, next man up. And you just kept on rolling, kept on rolling. All that stuff, all that stuff. You look at the health that the Bucks had until late in the season, mm-hmm. you know, and then the Raptors finished with two less wins, right? So, mm-hmm. full credit to Nick. And, you know... I, Again, you know, a lot of people gave him heat over the course of the regular season when he'd compare his, uh, you know, what he was going through in the NBA to his G League experiences, to his British Basketball League experiences. And I thought that was a real asset for him, the fact that, you know, he didn't he didn't put the NBA on a pedestal, Yeah, you know? Yeah, he treated all the same.
1: Exactly. And I think it's true, though. Like, honestly, it's like if you are with any point in your career where it's like you can't really see the bigger picture. You can only live in the moment. Yep. And in the moment, my first job interview, like, it was like the biggest thing to me. It was this biggest me interviewing here at Yahoo. You know what I mean? Like, it just it's the same feeling. Obviously, there's no comparison. There's, there's yeah. a different scale, but it's the same shit. You know? So, um, okay. So, honestly, I'm not really bothered about the Coach of the Year thing. I think Bud deserves it. Yeah, I don't care. Um, I don't. I haven't actually seen the. I couldn't find the full voting results, so I'm not sure where Nick plays. But he should place pretty high. I doubt he would. Um, the one thing that did bother me: Executive of the Year. Which is, by the way, the rest of the awards voted on by media members. Executive the Year voted on by peers. Right. So other, you know, uh, GMs around the league. They gave it to John Horst, which I don't disagree with. John Horst came in, made some good moves. I mean, like, they're mid-moves. Like, he, you know, he hired Boonholzer, which is a good hire. Like, you know, it, it took them to the regular season, you know, dreams. And, um, you know, he got Brooke Lopez and... I mean, for a very cheap deal, and everyone likes that, and Miritich, at least at the time, looked like a good trade, and George Hill, eh. But, I mean, like, ultimately, you know, that's a good job. But to acquire Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, and Marcus Gasol on top of signing Fred VanVleet undrafted and Pascal Siakam picking 27th overall and making the whole organization run and getting everyone on the same vision and then winning the championship, I know it's voted on at the end of the regular season, but the fact that Masai finished fourth, I just, I don't, how can, can you explain that to me? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It just Honestly, doesn't. Fourth.
2: The more I think about it, the more I think it's a flex for Masai that the other executives look at him and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, of course he got Kawhi and Danny for yeah. Damar and Jakob Rertl. Of, of course he got Marc Gasol.
1: That's not enough. That's it's not it's impressive just, by Masai. Yeah, standards. It's just,
2: it's just another day in the office from Masai.
1: So it's a flex. Oh yeah. You know what's a real flex? Him saying credit to these uh, two GMs here. You know, Connolly and uh, Horace didn't say anything about Lawrence Frank. Who, <laughs> you know, it was probably just you know probably stalking Kawhi as we speak right now. But um, you know him saying that you know shout out these guys that deserve the award. The only award that I care about is the Larry O'B. Uh,
2: you just, you just gave me a, an image of Lawrence Frank like on the Maid of the mist. Just like (laughs) squinting, like, where's Kawhi? Where's Kawhi? Oh, man. man. Uh, You think think he he was trying to hook him up with a discount at Home Depot? (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll get you all the boxes you
1: need. Oh, it's a move in Toronto. Oh, my bad. Lawrence Frank actually looks like someone that would work at Home Depot. (laughs) Like, I just, like, just low key Kawhi. goes looking for looking for help. <laughs> Lawrence Frank comes just up just like posted up by the faucets <laughs> being like, "Oh, you deep boxes or oh, that's over there." Um also Los Angeles is this way, uh, <laughs> you know, anyway. No, it was a great time, man. It was a great time. I mean, like I, I think on the, I mean, for, for, you know, full transparency, I wasn't watching the award show live cuz I just thought it was a little bit too drawn out and also I just wanted to do something else with my night but that's um, fair entirely fair. <laughs> uh, yeah I mean the ro- the reception to the awards it seemed like people were complaining a lot. And I feel like I was a little bit negative in retrospect about the Bucks like I think they had a great season it's just a, like it just you know it is just kind of unfortunate the way it worked out they got four they got three major award winners and uh and no championship you know. But yeah as people, but they're on their way you know they're on their way I mean
2: as people who have been covering the Raptors you know these are pretty empty awards when you Mm. exit the postseason without the ultimate trophy, right? Yeah. I don't think anyone really cared too much about Dwayne Casey winning coach of the year after getting swept out of the playoffs. Um, You know, Fred Van Vliet finishing third in the six man voting, Uh, you know, no one cares about that stuff Mm. when you don't, when you don't win it all. So, I'll, t- I'll take I'll take the finals MVP over the regular season MVP.
1: There you go. All right, Mavik, this is great. Uh, we'll this check is- in. I think we'll have more podcasts sort of sporadically made um, in advance of free agency. I think it's obviously a little bit too big to just sort of keep doing the weekly thing. So, look out for more shows from now until pretty much whenever the summer dies down. But uh, thanks everyone for listening again. Uh, read everything that Mavik write on Yahoo Sports Canada uh go watch kawaii watch on youtube and uh watch kawaii watch it's great it is it's not bad it really is not bad i've i've I've, uh i've been very positively um honestly it's it's great production value i was very impressed and you know what i don't want to take too much credit for it because like i just show up and i'm just like all right what's the script let's do it you know Alex writing the script and uh, everyone else is handling the uh, behind the scenes stuff to make it look good so shout out to the whole staff here at yahoo sports Canada and um Yeah, I'll catch you in the next pod.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.